Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. I get to interview Julietta Henderson today for the second time and I am I excited. I know I say this at every opportunity, but oh my goodness, to speak with Julietta Henderson, not once but twice, died and gone to heaven. So she's the author of the delightful The Funny Thing About Norman Foreman, which I read and absolutely loved. I didn't think anybody would replace my love of Norman and Jacks, but Wolfie and Danny, equal measures, just love them. So Sincerely Me is, is a novel about siblings and a niece and an uncle. It's also about mental health and the people around somebody who has mental health considerations. I just love books that explore that relationship between siblings. I'm the eldest of seven, so it's always an issue that's close to my heart. <laughs> and I absolutely loved seeing Wolfie here getting to know her uncle, which as an auntie myself, always so important. I just loved Sincerely Me and... If I could just put a shout out, once you have read it and you do need to talk about it, I am here for you. (laughs) We can really enjoy the chat together. Thank you very much for talking with me today. I know how busy you are. My pleasure. Always for you. Always for you. (laughs) Thank you. In your acknowledgements, you say that you write about the loneliness and loveliness of being human. And for me, that is just the absolute overarching theme of what your books do. I'm, I'm the biggest fan of your writing. It's gorgeous. Thank you so much. It's really thank you. And Anna Elizabeth Strout said, obviously, she says things a lot better than I could possibly dream to say them. You know the old saying: you write about ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. You know that sort of idea. I think that's what I do because I think we all know we've all got secret stories or not so secret stories. But every human being has a story. It doesn't matter if you're the, mm-hmm. the person that works behind the bar at the local pub or you're the local member for parliament you've got a story and it's worth telling and that's what I think I do is I like to delve into ordinary people's lives and and I think that's why people relate to it as well because we can all relate to relatable characters that are just normal people and not movie stars or have these fabulous you know how tv shows and some books yes yes yes, fabulous that none of us have and we're like why why do we get those jobs but so that's what I try to do so it's really nice when I hear people especially people (laughs) like you everybody has a story and I just I love Love your books for that very like Danny's a drunk when we first meet him. He's bumbling, he's homeless. You wouldn't look twice at him and expect him to have the wisdom that he's got. He's lovely, he's gorgeous. And I do like that idea of delving into people that you know, not judging a book by its cover, pardon the pun. Because you know, in my time, I mean Danny's homeless, but he's never ended up on the streets or anything like that. But he's homeless, as in he's like sort of couch surfing and or you know, garden shed surfing. Mm -hmm. But I've had conversations with homeless people and 
I think everyone should be made to do that, like forced to go and speak with someone because, you know, obviously, you know, it's a cross section of society. Obviously, some people are, you know, maybe not the in the best circumstances and maybe haven't made the best choices. But there's a lot of people that you wouldn't think of that have this amazing life story and life experience behind them. And so I'm a big don't judge a book by its cover. And I think that's where I sort of started from with the character of Danny. I wanted him to be, I wanted him to be lovable. And I wanted him to be extremely flawed because I wanted him to have, you know, it's like a, it's a story of redemption. That's one of the, the few sort of journeys that authors take their characters through on a book. It's either redemption or it's a quest or it's this or it's yeah. that sort of thing. And this is really a redemptive story. And, and I wanted him to have a massive transformation because I think be it a bad transformation or a good transformation, your characters have got to be different at the end than they were at the beginning. And let's hope Danny is... <laughs> Yes, he is different, but also he's still that same lovable. I really love Danny right from the start, obviously, as you know. <laughs> I have to work hard because he's got some very interesting characteristics and habits and stuff like that. So it was really important to me that he was actually likeable and, and lovable. And I think we've probably all met guys like Danny in our life. I, I know I have. Too many. They're completely lovable, but you wouldn't want them to be your husband or boyfriend or son or, or uncle anything. even. But gosh, doesn't he do a great job? Of being an uncle. <laughs> now you've got your cute little neighbor's dog Bonsai with you. The gentleman inspired by Bonsai? You know, he wasn't, but he was inspired. I think one day someone's going to, and it would be quite nice if they did. And it's actually around this area where I'm sitting right now. My friend who owns Bonsai, we were on a walk once, and it was, I think it was during the pandemic. And I heard these people turn around and call their dog and they called him gentleman. And I don't know if I misheard or not, but straight away I said, did they say gentleman? And she said, I'm not sure. And I said, oh, my gosh, wouldn't that be a great name for a dog? And it stuck. And so I kept it and I love it. But I would like one day for someone to go, God, that's my dog's name. You stole my dog's name. So whether it was a mishear or a miscommunication, I'm not sure. But I know it's a very cool name, isn't it? Very cool. I put it right up there with them. Have you read Lessons in Chemistry? I have, yes. yes. It's such a random name for a dog, but oh my goodness. I know, I know. I, know. I read that after I mind. I think Sincerely Me might have even been out there and I was like, yes. God, an even stranger name than mine. <laughs> it's but wouldn't they have been buddies? 6.30 might have been a little bit smarter than gentlemen, <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> gentlemen couldn't actually talk. No. <laughs> or think. But that empathy is right there. So this was a novel then that was written through lockdown. All of the characters are lonely. Did that mm. have an impact on the writing? It must have been so hard. Do you know, this is a really weird answer to that question, but I have to answer it honestly in that I wrote the whole thing during lockdown. Of course, I did the editing process was when we were all getting back to normal and everything. So I was a bit more back to normal. But I wrote that during the deepest, darkest, you know, Melbourne lockdown. And I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I ended up with about 140,000 words. I didn't have a story yet. I was just writing little vignettes of things. Anyway, so I got to a point where I thought, okay, I, I know exactly who the characters are. I then kind of knew what the plot was. So I stopped writing and I sat there for a couple of days and I read it and I didn't remember 
a huge percentage of what I'd written. I had no memory of writing it whatsoever. It was really strange. It was a really strange feeling. And some of it was terrible. So I, I could blame someone else for coming in and writing. <laughs> some of it was great. And I was sitting there with tears in my eyes going, oh my gosh, this is really good. I can't remember writing it. So it was a really odd, it, that genuinely happened. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I read things now that I wrote years ago and I, you think, oh God, I forgot about writing that, but you've got some memory of it. I can't remember now because I've now read it again again 50 times during the editing process and yeah. you know so I can't remember what bits I didn't remember in answer to your question I guess yes it was influenced by that time not that I knew but mm. I had a pretty good lockdown to be honest because my five kilometers encompass the city of Melbourne and I could walk in there and walk around the, the empty buildings and encompass the beach so I could walk there and plus I had a lot of green spaces and I could always get a cup of coffee <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little hole in a wall or what we could always get coffee in Melbourne so you could love it I wouldn't say that I suffered greatly and you know with mental health or anything like that mm. but it definitely affected me and I did go slightly bonkers for a short period of time I would say you know towards the end as most people if oh. they admit it yeah. yeah. So I guess it did have an effect. Yeah, because there's a lot about loneliness there. All the characters actually in that book, I didn't realise it probably until after I'd written or I was editing, but everyone's lonely. You know, Dom is lonely. Mm. I mean, maybe George is probably lonely for his mother. Dom's lonely for his wife. And Danny's lonely because he doesn't know. Lou's lonely. And Wolfie's yeah. lonely. She's got this big responsibility of what she perceives is that she has to look after her mother. She's lonely in a teenage age brain which is possibly one of the worst kind of loneliness yes, to yes. because Hang on burdens that aren't hers to take yeah. she's got yeah. yeah somebody else's happiness is on her shoulders and it should never have been yeah. I just yeah. Yeah, did all and it's really interesting because you know I think there's a lot of there's probably well not even probably there would definitely be a, a lot of teenagers who have to take on that role and it's really interesting because well with my characters I know that my character Lou would be horrified to think that, yeah, as most parents would be, I think, horrified to think that their children secretly think they have to look after them sort of thing. So I did want to deal with that. And I hope I dealt with it in a Absolutely. You know, yes. gentle sort of a way. But I think it's a very real issue. Mm. Oh, I just, mm. it was such a good read. Ever Jeff- since finishing it, Wolfie just won't leave me. She was oh, such really? a gorgeous character. I, I good. just loved she her. Was- she was a lot of fun to write. I did an interview, the lady, she was in Scotland and she said to me, oh, you've written in the voice of a man and the voice of a 15-year-old, neither of which are. How did you do that? Mm. And my answer is the same as to when I wrote Norman Foreman. People say, how did you get into the brain of a 12-year-old boy? And it was like, mm, very easily, which does, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't really know what it says about my brain, but same for this. Like I didn't even think twice about writing as a man and since I've written that people have said oh you're very brave writing as a man why did you choose to write as a man and I think oh interesting it was just that was the story it involved a man and I'm a writer and I think that's my job but Wolfie came about because she wasn't actually going to have her own point of view because I wanted to write a story about adult siblings which I did mm-hmm. but the narrative was going to come from Danny and Lou in first and I did write and trash a whole lot of Lou and I really enjoyed writing her but I didn't want to do three different narratives but but I did feel and as soon as I changed that oh Wolfie did this and she did this as soon as I changed it to I Mm -hmm. writing as As it just just came out of me and I was like oh that's what needs to happen she needs to have her own point of view and so I chose to 
take away Lou's point of view. She's very, very much a central character. I mean, the whole Absolutely. story. Oh, yes. her. But I was really very determined that I didn't want to, I mean, again, not giving away spoilers, but it's, I think it's on the back of the book probably, but, you know, it deals with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll call it depression or anxiety or, or whatever. But um, I didn't want to write a book about someone with depression. I mean, I think there's so many wonderful books out there that do that so well and so empathetically and tenderly yeah. and, and yeah. all of that sometimes not so much yeah but I, I did not want to do that for for not for any reason except that that wasn't the story I thought I was telling because I wanted to write a book about the people that surround someone that has mental health issues depression anxiety and so Lou is very much a central figure but I wrote her deliberately off the page like you get mm-hmm. to know her yes but you really get to know the workings of her brain, you get to know what she tells you, what she chooses to tell Danny or Wolfie or, or mm-hmm. Dom or whoever. Yeah. Don't actually get inside her brain. That was very deliberate for me because I thought there was quite enough going on with what's going on in everyone else's brain. <laughs> but, but, yes, so I'm really glad that you like Wolfie because I loved her. She was so much fun to Oh, write. not just like. I loved her. Yes, absolutely. She was just gorgeous and such a cool name. Yeah, I love it. And people are like, where would you get that name? And, again, I don't know it just came to me and I was just like yeah I am calling her that because I remember and I think I might have even said this to you when you interviewed me for Norman Foreman because you loved the name Norman and I said yeah I still remember this friend of mine that said before I ever even got a publishing deal and said you can't call a 12 year old boy Norman I said yes I can and I have and it's got me and the same with Wolfie yes it's a strange name and you do I don't know if you picked that up because it's very I had at one stage I had a great explanation as to because I had to crow bar it in retroactively as to where her name came from because I wanted to use the name and I thought it's got to be mentioned like because it's a strange name yeah and uh, in the end I found I found an American oh, I think she was a souls no she might have been in a rock band or something some woman in the 70s who fronted a rock band and her name was Wolfie and I was like yes that's where Wolfie came from that's but solid. it was really <laughs> <in> backwards <laughs> and it fitted in blue and I thought oh yeah Lou would like that band and I think it it only comes up in the very end when she's under the bridge yeah, it's such a cool name and it is good to see where it comes from. I found it when I was Googling that, when I was trying to find a reason to call her Wolfie, that Tara Moss, the author, she uses disability aids or something. So she's mm. in a wheelchair sometimes and she uses a walking stick and her walking stick is called Wolfie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so random. Because I think I follow her on Twitter or something or I somehow I found out anyway and I was like, oh, interesting. So, <laughs> so you never know if people fall in love with Wolfie, there might be a whole space. I do know of little boys called Wolfie. Yeah. I guess it's personally don't know girls called Wolfie, but you might start a trend. Well, it Wolfie so beautifully and it was just the coolest name ever. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, she's a bit of a dark one, Wolfie. I, when I first started writing her, I did write her a little bit darker than what she ended up. Then I sort of thought, oh, no, she's only 15. And so it was a really fine line. She, I didn't want her to be like any ordinary 15-year-old, but I also didn't want her to be too dark. So, um, yeah, so, so I sort of I love the way it. that she had the junk food. God, that was gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's a control thing, isn't it? It's like she was so controlled with her life the rest of the time and the, the things that she does to control. And that was the, the minute she was on her own, she gets the junk well, food. That's what a 15-year-old would do, go out and get way too much junk food. And that was so gorgeous. <laughs> 
When we were leading up, we talked about Honeybee. Have you just finished it and you haven't started another one yet because of the book hangover? Yes. No, I have started another one. I can't even, I've just finished another one, which was a proof that was given to me from the UK. So it was very oh. different. But Honeybee, I cannot believe I was so late to the party. I had it for ages. And I also haven't read Jasper Jones. So I've got that to look forward to. So I'm very excited about that. And I've also got Runt by my bedside table, but I haven't read that. It's kind of like I'm doing the pleasure delaying thing. I'm oh, holding- there is nothing better than looking over to a pile of books that you genuinely can't wait to read. <laughs> Honeybee, honestly, I just, I read Frederick Buckman, The Winners, and then I read Honeybee and I was just like, oh, kill me now. Let's just give up. These guys, they're just both so very different, but hmm. um, amazing. Honeybee, I just, I, it stayed with me for so long. And I remember you saying that it stayed with you when I took it out to lend to a friend and then I was just exactly like, the oh, same. yeah, just book I want to reread it again almost oh, straight I away was holding it in my hands and I was thinking surely it's not as good as what I think it is I opened up the first scene and oh my goodness like, that, it's bloody beautiful amazing have you read the winners no but I will now thank you it's fabulous so oh, get on to it. <laughs> thank you is it out now <laughs> yeah oh yeah. cool excellent yeah. okay thank you very much for the recommendation I don't know how I missed it. Will you have a book set in Australia? This is your second book that you've set. Look, I can tell you that book three is not. A lot of it is, it's definitely not from lack of desire or lack of love of Australia. I mean, Australia is my country. I I absolutely adore it. But my publishing deal was in the UK. My agent's in the UK. My editors are in the UK. And I lived in the UK for a long time. But definitely I have got a little folder of ideas. Yes, definitely I will. And I have many ideas of books set in Australia and particularly probably Anna since the pandemic because I had a lot to think about constrained in your country or in your town or in your veranda as I was. So uh, I did think a lot about Australia. There's so many beautiful places and interesting places and that thing about ordinary people and their stories. There's so many. I know that it's been done, but my little dream, you know, probably been done by many people, but I'd love to travel around Australia and just meet the cranks and weirdos and crazy, lovely people and not even not lovely ones, find a story or do a collection of stories or something. So definitely, yes, it will happen. Not for book three, <laughs> soon, yeah. To read the adventures of a little caravan shutting around. You know, yeah. like Trent Dalton with the, the old typewriter. And- oh, yeah, I could I could one-up Trent Dalton. There's an idea. <laughs> You're set up my little table in the middle of the desert and ask people to come to me. <laughs> And what about a pandemic novel? We were talking earlier about Lucy by the Sea. Have you read that one? I haven't read Lucy by the Sea yet, no, but I plan on it because oh. I absolutely I love her. I fell in love with Elizabeth Strait. I'd already read something, it was probably Olive Kittredge, and I so I knew I loved her as a writer and then I saw, again, that was during the pandemic, sometime in the Melbourne Festival, there was a, a Zoom thing that you could join, like one of her panels sort of thing, and I just fell in love with what she had to say. She's amazing. So, yes, I do plan on reading that one. But no, I haven't yet. (laughs) Ah, excellent. It's set during the time of the pandemic. So I was wondering if you were going to do a pandemic novel, probably. No, I I don't think so. I'm one of those people, Anna, that would like to forget about it, to be honest. And I think there's probably enough people writing pandemic or having written pandemic novels. I never want to read another one. Yeah. Obviously, Elizabeth Strout's a genius and, you know, I would like to read her something least. But Yeah, I haven't read it, but I am imagining that it's less about the pandemic and more about the relationship between her and is it William again, her husband's mm-hmm. husband? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm imagining. So, and I guess you can't shy away from mentioning it, although I did mentioning the pandemic in Sincerely Me. You don't quite know what year it is. So just like, oh, I don't even want to mention it, you know. <laughs> I think we're um, I think- generation that don't want to hear about it. We all did. We know what it was like. Yeah, and it's got nothing to do with the story. But I think moving forward, I think anyone who's writing contemporary stuff is going to have to reference it or not or just jump over it from 2020 to 2022 and start writing from now, which is my third book will be set 2023 firmly. <laughs> oh, excellent. Great. Is it a Norman spin-off? Is no, it- it's not Norman. There's no children in this one. It's very different, but again, the same feelings. That's what I said about Sincerely Me and Norman. Very different to each other, but I think they leave you with the same feelings. My agent's the only one who's read it. I'm sort of, I guess, two thirds through a, a very dodgy first draft, but it, it's a love story. And I've got to think of a different kind of a way to say it because I'm saying it how I described it to my agent. And and then I was able to talk for 10 minutes and tell her why. It's a love story with a difference. And of course, that sounds a bit cliched. You know, everyone's has got a difference, but there is quite a big difference to this and not a difference to the characters, but it's a difference in the situation. And so I'm really enjoying writing it. It's not a mushy, it's not a romance, but it's a, yeah, it's a genuine. I can't imagine you writing a romance. No, it's a genuine love story that spans 20 to 30 years, but in contemporary times. So I never thought I could love anyone more than Norman and Sadie and Jax and then I got Wolfie and Danny and all that. And then I think, oh, how can I love anyone more? And the characters in book three, just there's one particular who I just was like, oh my God, I wish I really knew this guy. He's so lovely. <laughs> I'm in search of him. Oh, but um, yeah, so that's I'm very so fantastic. I'm so pleased to hear it. Excellent. I'll wait for you to read it, Anna. Well, let me know if you need a, an advanced reader. Yes. I'm here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> After I'll put you on the list now. <laughs> yeah. I better finish it first, though. Yes. Finish that. Before you come out, is everything going great for you now? Now that you've got no bookshop, I know, but everything seems to be. It's fun. Yeah. Oh. Fun challenge to be doing. So yeah. unreal. But yeah. You're so loved in the book community, Anna. I think that you're going to go on to bigger and better things. I think really excited for you because I honestly think you are. And you know, that whole everything happens for a reason. I mean, I don't even know the story behind the bookshop, but I know that must have been quite sad. But I, th- I think it's just opened you up to stuff that you never would have. Thank you so much. I, I yeah. hated losing my shop. That was, no, I, I hadn't, I just put my head in the sand. I didn't realise that it was actually going to happen. It was so long in the coming and all that. So it was just, but yeah, I can't believe how much fun I am having. You deserve it. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Congratulations. You must be so proud. I'm very excited for what's coming. Thank you so much, Anna. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I feel it. Get out of town. Thank you so much for letting me see you. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.